Before we start today's episode, I want to give you a heads up that this is a two-parter. Tune in to part one today, then come back next week for part two. Enjoy! Hey, I'm Caitlin Cuevas, the girl behind all things Think Happy. I'm a wife, mom of two cute and crazy kiddos, and a lover of golden doodles, cheesy analogies, and pump-up music. I've taught hundreds of women what I'm here to teach you, and that's how to reduce your daily stress, decrease your unproductive time, and most importantly, increase the amount of time you have to pour into you. Join me each week as we dive into topics such as time and task management, increasing productivity, building habits and routines, keeping your cup full, and so, so much more. Welcome to the Think Happy Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 110 of the Think Happy Podcast. Happy December. We are just well into the holiday season here, and I love it. Um, Updates, updates, updates. Let's see here. What do I have to share with you today? Uh, Last week on the show, we talked about the importance of reflecting before setting your resolutions for the new year, okay? So, I mentioned in that episode that I'm going to set my 2024 resolutions a little bit differently than I have the past few years. So I kind of like in the past, I have set resolutions in nine areas of life, which was a fantastic, well-rounded approach. Um, I just am not looking for something that intense this year. So I feel like I have kind of narrowed those nine primary areas down into three main pillars that make me me. Okay. So those pillars are my personal life, my family life, and also my work life. Okay. So these are likely the three areas that I'm going to focus on in 2024. So the thing is, is that in my life, these three areas are super, super intertwined. I feel like a lot of you are going to be able to relate to that feeling. I feel like it just comes with the territory of being a working mom who works from home and is the primary caregiver and the keeper of the house. And you know, don't get me wrong. I love you, Oakley. You are a huge huge, huge help. But let's be serious. I'm the one that is in charge over here. And (laughs) yeah, thank you for your help, Oakley. But I'm just, we all know I'm the one in charge. So anyway, I know for sure that I'll have some sort of resolutions surrounding my personal health, um, or I'm sorry, my physical health. That's going to like fall under my personal life. Um, I'm also going to have a goal surrounding my mental health. Okay. So just, you know, really prioritizing keeping my own cup full. I'm not quite ready to talk about this in like intense detail yet, but for the past couple of months, I have been struggling with some minor health issues that up until this point in time have been determined medically unexplainable, which is 
quite frustrating and quite perplexing, but I have started to wonder if stress could be the underlying cause of of these issues that I've been having. I feel fairly, fairly confident that stress definitely is not helping the situation. Uh, Long story short, I recognize that I do put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, pressure to be a good mom, to grow a successful business. And I also recognize that 2023 brought lots of changes, you know, settling into having two kids and just the hormonal changes that come with postpartum and nursing and then weaning off of nursing and, you know, starting the process of getting my body back to just being my own body. And we lost my grandmother and we lost uh, one of our family dogs and just adjusting to not having a traditional nine to five job and, you know, being the one who very intentionally decided to take the path of entrepreneurship. And it's just been a big year. And I know that I have to practice what I preach and give myself grace. And, you know, with that being said, that is why I will absolutely have some sort of resolution that encourages me to not only serve myself first, because I do think I'm quite consistent and um, pretty religious about serving myself first, but I need to up the serving size, if you will. Um, Yeah, so I'll have some sort of resolution around that. my work my work life resolution is definitely going to be not only about uh growing think happy and you know my coaching practice and the show but i also really want to focus on the impact that i'm making so the impact that i have on this community is literally just as important to me as any financial goal would be. So those will probably be like a two-pronged approach to a professional resolution or goal that I'll set. Anyway, 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 I could talk about this stuff literally for days and days and days, but this episode is not about my resolutions. It's not about reflections. That was last week. This episode is about the Enneagram, one of y'all's and one of my favorite absolute favorite topics. Today, I am joined by my new friend named Jackie Contessa. So Jackie's an Enneagram coach, and she and I specifically chatted about the correlation between Enneagram types and parenting styles. Okay, we go step by step, not step by step, sorry, we go type by type through all nine Enneagram types. Uh, What I love so much about this conversation is it truly is a marriage of two of the most popular topics on this show, which are motherhood and the Enneagram. As I mentioned, Jackie is a life coach and a personality coach who specializes in the Enneagram. She is a dynamic, out-of-the-box thinker and a champion for personalities who believe they are limitless. Jackie was born Born, raised, and cannot get away from the garden state when she is not cracking personality codes, transforming lives, or helping rando people in the public discover their personality type. You can find her trying to catch the sunrise at the end, begging someone to hug her in a way that cracks her back, binge watching The Office, and celebrating Diet Coke o'clock every day. With that being said, let's roll with part one of this truly wonderful conversation. So Jackie, hello. Welcome. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. 
How how are you doing today? Oh, I am so good. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we get to do this. It's nice to see you again. I know. I know. And you look so cute. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm literally sitting, I'm sitting on the floor of my living room. Uh, as you can it. tell from like the mountain of pillows behind me. That was just yeah. like, today's the day that I do this in my living room. Why I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it. I literally just going to go for it. That's how my day is going. Thank you for asking. How's yours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something that I think that is often um, overlooked in the world of podcasting is truly how unglamorous it is. <laughs> it is fugly. If you scroll on TikTok for two seconds and you think you're on podcast talk, you're not. You're on yeah. You're on podcast talk that was specifically scripted and recorded to be repurposed for TikTok because it is yes. unglamorous. Yes. Nobody wears pants when they podcast. That's number oh, one. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. I have not showered yet today and I have exercised outside. And mm-hmm. so like, Lord knows I don't smell good. My hair, very like it shows that I exercised outside and have not yet showered. We'll just put the it The curls are lovely, by the way. Oh, why, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, this um, is yesterday's was makeup. great this wow. morning before Get I exercised outside, so. <laughs> yes. Get out. Is it that oh, curly yes. from just exercise? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, number one, do you live in the swamp? And number two, drop that routine for me, please. <laughs> right, right. Okay. I can do both. Um, don't live in the swamp, but actually pretty much Dukes, we're in Houston. Um, oh, and snap. it's just humid as all get out, even though it is October. It's yeah. still humid as all get out. Um, and yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll send you some of my exercise stuff, girl. Please I do. got you. <laughs> I this totally is, this is girls supporting girls. This is the peak. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay so as much as i would love to just literally sit here and chit chat and we should do more of this honestly yeah this is fun (laughs) filling a cup i didn't know was empty god i know i know okay so tell us just a little bit about you how you found the enneagram and of course about your business Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so um, my name is Jackie. I live a stone's throw or a bike ride, if you can ride a bike, away from New York City. So I'm in New Jersey. Um, I have been coaching for about five years and it is truly my passion. I legitimately love people. Um, I got into the Enneagram years ago because I was working for a nonprofit. And I feel like a lot of people start their journey this way, but I was working for a nonprofit in which... You know, if, if if you're working for, I think, any entity bigger than yourself and you don't really know yourself at a core level, it it's a little bit jarring. So you, you know, you make that into a nonprofit, you make that into a, like a workplace where like friends are like family and it just gets messier and messier, right? And it's all based on what you got going on inside. So long story right. short, burnt the heck out um, and didn't know who I was what to say, how to speak up for myself. Couldn't even really place where the burnout was coming from, where the pain needed to go. None of that. No language, no semblance, nothing. I just, you know, I found myself asking, is there more? Mm -hmm. Or is this all there is? Like, is this it for me? Constantly. I had a friend talk to me about looking into personality study. And when I looked into the Enneagram, I, well, I took an online test first because that's how you start everything, right? Like what BuzzFeed, what pasta are you? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, Rotini, if anyone was wondering. But I started taking a test online and I had first typed as um, an Enneagram 8 and that's the challenger. And I was like, okay, that doesn't sound like me. Um, And then I typed as a 6 and I was like, that doesn't sound like me either. 
and I, I picked up some literature. I don't, I, I don't remember what book I had started with, but I, I picked up some literature. And when I read the, the information about my Enneagram type, and for those who don't know, it's your core motivations, your core fears. It's, it's the why behind the who, right? Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I put it down and I didn't touch the whole system for like six months. I felt so naked. I felt like, I, I remember, I always make this joke. Um, I, I remember, remember telling myself, like, I was hiding this from me. How did they know? You yeah. know, I, yeah. I just didn't want to know this about myself. So that's really how I got started into the Enneagram was, it was a personal thing. I never thought I was going to do anything with it. Eventually I wanted to life coach. I wanted to meet people where they were and bring them where they wanted to go. And I realized I could not do that if I didn't know them and if they didn't know them. Mm-hmm. And that was just the biggest, when I saw that, it was like, oh, I was like, the, it was like the two, like life coaching and the Enneagram coming together yeah. was magical because I was like, you know what? Before anything, here's some language. Have mm-hmm. some language that describes your who, what, why, where, how. And then tell me, you know, my, my, my favorite question is, um, what are your goals? And then after we go over the type, like, have any of those goals actually changed? Because now we know something about ourselves we didn't know before. And a lot of times they're like, yeah, I have completely different goals or, well, uh, I think there's a step zero before. So it's been really, really like sustainable in a word, but it's mm-hmm. just, it's been one of the most incredible tools. And that is the long story short about, about me and how I got into all of this. I love that. I love that. So the Enneagram is something that the Think Happy community is is pretty familiar with. Awesome. That is one of the reasons why you're here because I think this is maybe the third inner... No, actually, because I did the Enneagram series. This is maybe one, two, three, four, like the fifth episode wow. to air. And yours will be the fifth and sixth because it'll be broken up into part one and part two about nice. the Enneagram. Yes. So I don't think that we need to do like a full-blown deep dive into each type, but I do think it would be helpful to start maybe with like a high-level overview of each. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe also like as another starting point, maybe like going into like some common Enneagram like words or lingo or something like that, yeah. like things and triads and stuff like that. That sounds great. Yeah. So awesome. here's a quick overview. And, and so you're probably familiar with this because it's surface level. And we know that when we hear these statements, we can type our or we can, excuse me, type ourselves, quote unquote, into like five or six of the types, right? Because you're like, well, I, I do that. I can see myself. I describe myself that way, right? So high level, surface level. Um, so we'll start with one through nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Type one is called the perfectionist or the reformer. Uh, I'm going to say multiple nicknames probably for each type. It's going to yeah. depend on the subtype for me. Um, that's how I do it. But um, it's called the perfectionist or the reformer. They're very, very ethical. They're very, very principled. They are detailed. They um, are incredibly organized. Even if it's not on their desk, it's in their head. They are organized. They've got it all down. They don't want to miss a thing. And they feel that they have a right and an obligation to change their world, to change society, to change their lives, to change the people around them. Um, and it is a right and an obligation. Like these are right. very, very real black and white factors. Uh, type two is called the helper or the giver. Again, depends on the subtype. Um, and they are warm. They are interpersonal. They are sweet. They are the person that is not going to leave your dinner party unless they've offered to help with the dishes. If you say mm-hmm. no, they're going to stand next to you and keep conversation with you while you do the dishes. Yeah. That is how they are. Um, they, they're 
truly like Mr. Rogers version of helpers. Um, and you know, some of the, the muddiness there is that as anyone, they can lose themselves in their helping and their giving. And that's where the problems begin. As I'm sitting here, I'm drinking the most delicious cup of Kerbin's coffee. Kerbin's is a wife and husband duo who turned their passion for coffee into a business. They are so sweet and it makes me so happy seeing their business thrive. Now, let me tell you why Kerbin's is thriving. To put it simply, it's because their coffee is amazing. Think Happy has had the honor of getting to pick a Think Happy signature roast. These dark roasted Mexico beans smell like a good day waiting to happen. When brewed, they create the smoothest cup of coffee you have ever tasted. And it is even still good after being reheated. If you're like me and frequently get pulled away from your coffee, you know that's important. And I have a special treat for you. Think Happy listeners receive 15% off their order of Kerbeans. Head to Kerbeans.coffee. Kerbeans is spelled K-I-R-B-E-A-N-S. And use code THINKHAPPY at checkout for your 15% discount. Again, that's Kerbeans.coffee. Code THINKHAPPY for 15% off. Uh, Type 3 is called the Achiever or the Performer. I, excuse me, I love um, working with type threes because they always want to win at coaching. I'm like, there's no winning here. Like there's no, there's literally like, like, am I doing good? Am I winning? There's no winning here. Um, That is so hilarious because I'm a three and I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) Why did I think you were a one? Probably because I'm insanely organized also. Did you think that you were a one in the beginning? No, at first I thought I was a seven. Then I thought I was an eight. And then I thought I was a three. And that's where I am right now. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. (laughs) For some reason, I thought in my head, I was like, oh, she thought she was, or she thought she was a three. And then she's, I don't know. I made that up. I made it up. I made up. I made up a story, guys. Um, We all do it. (laughs) So I... I'm not going to comment on your workout hair, but usually every time I see a three, they are put together, dressed to Mm -hmm. kill. They're incredibly charming. They're so forward, Um, especially about who they are or who they want to be perceived as people. They are go-getters. They are the CEOs. They are machines. They are truly like machines. I know a lot of people nickname the one the machine. I like to nickname the three the machine because holy smokes. Uh, type four is called the individualist, or some people say the tortured artist. I, I'm trying to find that secondary nickname for the four that I feel like speaks to the other subtypes because Mm -hmm. I just don't want everyone to feel like, oh great, I'm John Mayer. You know what I mean? But (laughs) (laughs) the type, some people have emotions and feel emotions, you know, and their feelings type fours typically are like, they just are emotions and feelings and all Mm -hmm. that. They have a huge depth for capacity of emotions and feelings, and they want to feel special because they believe that they are special. And so they are in search for authenticity, for that search for, for being special, for being themselves, for living their lives as themselves and making that mark. Type fives are called the theorist or the observer. Uh, I think observer is a little bit more literal, but I think theorist is kind of where the hiddenness um, comes from. They're like a hundred percent cerebral. I'm going to, I'll give it 99. They're like 99% (laughs) cerebral. They are really like, they're really in their heads. They love to gather information and knowledge. And while it is difficult for them to do something with it, they use it to assess their energy levels throughout the world. They use it to assess their interactions. They use it to, to make connections with people. They use it to feel safe, knowledge Mm -hmm. and information. 
Type six is called the loyalist or the guardian. I like guardian. Some people will often nickname six the contrarian, which I I don't typically do. I like to like stick that one on the eight. But uh, I like the loyalist or the guardian for the type six. And I like guardian because they really are like the guardian for what they believe is yeah. the rules. Um or what's going to keep everybody in their community safe. They're the type of people, some of my favorite people, um, they, the best way to describe it is they tend to live in code yellow, like all the time. Um, And so they're kind of the friend that's like, oh, I'm just worried about this, or I'm just concerned that this, like if you feel like you have to maybe prepare a monologue to like go tell your friend some news about your life, but you really genuinely trust them, you trust their feedback, you know that they ring the alarm because they love the people around them. And that's where their skepticism comes from. Um, they are incredibly loyal. They are like lighthouses for their people, right? Okay. They're like a, a gathering post for their people. I love sixes. They're so truly special. Um, but their skepticism can really get in the way or their worry, their contingency thinking can really get in the way. Type seven is called the enthusiast um, or the epicure, which I'm still coming to terms with that um, with that one. I'm very particular about the nicknames. Um, but the enthusiast is just the Peter Pan of the Enneagram. They are fun. They want to have fun. They want to do what's next. They want to have adventure. They are also, you know, sometimes nicknamed the adventurer. They want to, you want to go to Disneyland at 1am? Let's do it. You want to go to Olive Garden (laughs) at a whim? Let's just do it. Let's go for a drive. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's have it all. Let's Mm -hmm. have fun. Um, And sometimes, you know, we, we yes to death ourselves, but in reality, sevens are constantly in search of what's next. Because if we stay in the same spot for too long, that could get real dicey. We could get stuck here and that's not fun. So let's move on. Let's move forward. Type eight is often called the challenger or sometimes the contrarian. And they really, they have a need to be against and being against helps them feel safe, helps Mm -hmm. them feel, um, I'll say this, you know, like in the movies, the big guy named tiny. Yeah. That's the challenge. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. like, yeah, it's like it's 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 not necessarily I need to come off challengers don't need to come off as strong. They need to come off as not weak. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. So sometimes that looks like challenging. Sometimes that looks like coming off as a threat, but that looks like being incredibly bold, sometimes intimidating, very direct, sometimes aggressive, what people would consider to be controlling to everybody. Because if I put all of it at face value, I'm gonna weed out what's not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. If I challenge yeah. what's here. Um, I think a lot of eights get a really bad rap and it's funny because like if I meet with people or I talk to people who already know their Enneagram type and it's an eight, I'll be like, oh, what's your type? And they're like, I'm an eight, like almost like kind of like, and I'm like, oh man, like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, and I, I heard this on a podcast once someone had said like, oh, I I met, uh, I met an eight who was just so unhealthy, who was so unhealthy. And then the other person was like, maybe they were just like an eight and you didn't stand up for yourself. You know what I mean? And I was like, dang, that's facts actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the eights. They're incredible, incredible people. Type nine, they are called the referee or the peacemaker. I think a lot of people are really familiar with the peacemaker, but they really do their best in a nutshell to stay away from conflict. And that can be relative, right? It can be internal conflict. It can be external conflict. It can be tension. It could just Mm -hmm. be something being a little bit rocky. That's all relative to the person, but they'll do what they need to do to meld with others, to kind of go with the flow, go along to get along, to not rock the boat, to not create conflict and to just have peace in their lives. We know that avoiding things doesn't, doesn't ever lead to peace, but but we try. 
And so yeah. that's the nine yeah. types in a nutshell. Um, to get into some of the hot words, like I think yes. some of my favorites are, you know, wings, right? Like mm-hmm. think of a bird. Um, a bird has its body and it's got wings on both sides and they even it out. They help it fly. It can fly mm-hmm. with one, flies better with both. Um, could walk if it has none, but has wings. Yeah. And that is how we look at Enneagram types. So the Enneagram is in a, in a secu- uh, circular mm-hmm. pattern, like a clock. Right with nine at the top. And so if we look at your type three, we mm-hmm. would look at the t- the numbers on the quote unquote clock next to it to see what your wings are. So if your body is three, if your main mm-hmm. type is three, your wings would be two or four or right. two and four. Um, and so that's what a wing is. And so a lot of times they'll be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a four wing seven. And I'm like, no, the F you are not. It doesn't work. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're absolutely not that. Um, but thank you so much for playing the game. Play again. Um, yeah. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, there are subtypes. I think I'd mentioned that a little bit earlier, just talking mm-hmm. about the nicknames. Subtypes are actually like a psychological, biological, um, instinctual variant that we all have. The three subtypes that everybody has are, and people can have them in, and stack them in combination, but they really have one that they kind of relate to the most. And it's either self-preservation, the social one, or um, or sexual or one-to-one, right? Or intimate. And so self it really self preservation just basically says my priority is protecting myself as a biological standpoint from a bio, like as this is how i see survival is protecting me how i see uh, how the social person sees survival is all of us it's all of us right all of us and how the intimate person sees survival is it's you and me it's the person in front of me and so every single one of these can be in the enneagram type so as a type 2 myself I have friends that are also an Enneagram too. And I'm like, we do not look alike at all. Yeah. Completely different subtypes. I have a friend who's a self-preservation too. And I'm uh, an intimate too. Very, very, very different people. Very different hows. Very different whys even sometimes. But our core is still the same. And we're both that too. And that's not going to change. And same with mm-hmm. the wing. Your wing, uh, if you borrow from the two, if you, if, for example, if you borrow inspiration from two or if you borrow inspiration from four as a three, you don't change. You're still three. You're just three with a little spice or three with mm-hmm. a little sugar, right? Yeah. Depending yeah. On how you want to see that. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the other ones are kind of like triads, like you had said. Mm-hmm. And I think triads can be a little dicey because there's actually like a lot of groups of three within the Enneagram. One mm-hmm. of them that I think a lot of people label as the triad is the center of intelligence, which is like, are you a head person? Are you a heart person? Mm-hmm. Or are you a gut or instinct person? Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, every three Enneagram types goes into one of the centers of intelligence. And that's yeah. really what it is. So types uh, two, three, and four are in the heart. Five, six, and seven are in the head. And um, eight, nine, and one are in the body. And they feel things instinctually. But mm-hmm. there's, you know, other, there's other groups of three, right? There's uh, interpersonal groups, there's conflict styles, there's relational styles. And that's where you start to see some of the different Enneagram types have a lot in common um, with each other. So for example, yeah. I believe it's, I think it's relational style or conflict style. I have to, I'll have to like really look into it one more, once more. But two and five have so much in common because how, of how they withdraw into their hurts. And two yeah. and five would never really like on paper, they don't have anything in common. Right. Right. You know, 
So I think looking into the different triads of the Enneagram helps to narrow it down so much more. And those are some of the hot words I can think of. If you can think of any more, throw them at me. No, no. I mean, you just gave us so much information in like such a short period of time. And I love it. Like that was, was (laughs) that was so like, I'm very impressed with you right now. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. Kiss me on the lips. Holy crap. Yes. Okay. So we, we have done the high level overview. So like we're all on the same page now. Right. So let's kind of like, I guess, niche this conversation down a little bit more mm-hmm. and dig into how our Enneagram types play into maybe how we mother and in our parenting decisions. And so I'll give you an example kind of like from my own personal life. So sure. when when I was pregnant with my oldest, I or actually okay, let me back up and say becoming a mom brought out a different side of my personality that I didn't that like I wasn't familiar with before I had children. And so by nature, I'm like super structured. I love routine. I love having a game plan. Flexibility is tough for me. Mm. Um, And like something that I'm always having to work at getting better at. Um, And so because of that, I kind of thought I would be an inflexible parent, if that makes sense. Like I thought I would always want to be in control. And I thought I would just like always need the house quiet. When I the like how you do one thing is how you're going to do everything. Yes, of, yeah. exactly. Like I thought I was going to have like all these rules and like be kind mm-hmm. of strict and like maybe not strict with the kids, but like strict with the rules. I don't know. Sure. But when I actually like became a mom, I learned that I was a lot different than that. And like, yes, my kids like have sleeping schedules and like that is very structured. But aside from that, I feel like I'm a lot more flexible than I ever, ever would have thought that I would be like, literally when someone babysits them, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, here's your roadmap. Like the route you take to get there. I don't care. Like... (laughs) You're the mom now. Come on. I'm paying you. Like I'm passing you the baton. Like have fun. Keep them alive. Their bedtime is this. Awesome. Good luck. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Think Happy Podcast. I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review. And if you just can't get enough, find me on Instagram at thinkhappy underscore co. That's C-O. And online at thinkhappyco.com. I'll be back in your ears next week with another episode of the Think Happy Podcast.